Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit sugarhillchurch.com. Today we're talking about change. Uh, could I just say to you, change for most of us is brutal. Uh, we, have, we have learned in change that in some way, some shape, some fashion, what happens is we hate it when change is done to us, don't we? Yogi Berra once said, nobody likes change except a baby. <laughs> I have a grandson, and so when I change him, I'm not sure he likes it either. Having raised daughters, I now know what you need for a shield. And, um, and change, though, is inevitable, isn't it? Did you know that there are still people who are using flip phones? Dr. Ron just recently left the world a flip phone and got a smartphone. The first thing he did was send me a text that said, I'm not, not sure what I'm doing, but I hope you get this. Love, Ron. <laughs> he followed that up with a phone call to say, did you get my text? <laughs> How many of you still have a flip phone? All right, let me just take just a moment. Bless the Lord, oh my son. All right. Do you still have a rotary dial phone at home? Anybody still got a rotary dial phone at home? Oh, bless the Lord. That's good. Yeah, I probably wouldn't have admitted that. Um, <laughs> change is inevitable, isn't it? I mean, think about what you are today versus what you were when you were 14. Change. I remember thinking I will never grow old, fat, and never listen to cool music. So I have intentionally recently begun listening to my daughter's playlist. You know what's interesting, though? I still remember every word of every Leonard Skinner song. I grew up in a home that was relatively legalistic. Right? My dad had some pretty severe rules. Because for us in our home, that dad decided that these were the rules. If you, if you were going to live for Jesus, there were a handful of rules that you had to follow. One of them was you couldn't play cards. Because if you played cards, you were more than likely going to hell. All right. Now, I never really understood that rule because all my friends played cards. And I thought, they love Jesus, but they can play cards, but not, that, not my house. Now, it was interesting. Every time a beer commercial came on television, my dad went off the chart. Dad was pretty sure if you popped the top on a cold one, not only were you going to bust hell wide open, you might be Satan yourself. Right? Now, it's interesting. I could listen to Leonard Skinner and I could go to dances, but I... I couldn't watch a beer commercial or play cards. Okay, if you're like me, you're thinking, that, Chuck, that makes no sense at all. Me either. But that's the way it was. Have you ever noticed that sometimes you look for one sock that's at the bottom of your, of your, of your, of your stack of dirty clothes, and over the course of the week, you got this one blue sock at the bottom, but over the course of the week, you've layered on top of it all the stuff that's been dirty for the week, and you just want the one sock, and you keep digging, you keep digging, trying to find the one sock, I think that's what happens in our spiritual lives sometimes. We, we, we layer stuff on top of the simplicity of the gospel, and we make it so much more complicated than God ever intended it to be. And sometimes we do so when we make it extra biblical, where we put rules in that they were never intended by God. And if we're not careful, we will believe change is about our behavior, not about the internal part of our heart. 
This is one of the biggest concepts that I believe the New Testament has for me and you. And it's this concept that real change is transformation. And real transformation always starts with the heart. Every issue Jesus teaches is a matter of the heart. I'll go places and somebody will have some political agenda they want me to rant and rave about or I'll have somebody wants me to rant and rave about, you know, gambling or drinking or something. <coughs> and inevitably, what I come back to is this point. Jesus taught that every issue in life is a matter of our heart. And inside of our heart, that's where he does his greatest work. So today, let's talk about the transformation of our heart. Change is something that we all need, and most of us hate change. We, we recognize that. I want you to take out pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara. I'm going to give you a few points today that hopefully will really be of assistance to you. But I also want to give you a phone number. All right, now this is a, uh, this is a private Google number. Um, nobody has it. The only responses will come to me, and nobody else will see it. But I want you to write this number. I'm not putting it on the screen because I want to make sure you write it. I'm going to put it up there. Some of you will cheat. I want you to write this number down, 678-404-2184. 678-404-2184. I want you to pull your phones out, use them during the service, and I want you to try to hear the whisper of God as he tries to tell you what is it in your life he wants to change. Excuse me just a second. Now, with that in mind, what is it that God wants you to change is the wrong question. It is what is it you believe God can change in your heart. And I'm going to ask you to text to that number what is it you believe God wants you to lay down and change in your life. And my promise to you is that every morning this week, I'm going to pray over that change. All right? And then as you see an answer to those prayers through the week, I'm going to ask you to use the same number and tell me what God has done. Fair enough? So if you're one of those people that's uptight and you say, I just can't use your phone in church, go ahead and make that change today and pull it out. By the way, you could also take a picture and put it on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and say, hey, it's good to be at Sugar Hill Church, hashtag Sugar Hill Church, all right? So change, as we all know, transformation is not about trying harder or having a better life. I fear that at times we believe change is about how I change my behavior. <coughs> so we believe change is about how we change our behavior. If we change how we act, then we must have real change. But that's not spiritual transformation. You see, sometimes we think the way I can make God love me more, the way I can have God have a better relationship with me is that I go act differently. And the fact of the matter is, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that real change is transformation which occurs from the inside out. I mean, as you know, this transformation is never about trying harder. Some of us believe we can just work harder, we can give more, we can go more, we can do more, and as a result, that's going to make God love us some more. But the fact is, that's not how it works. I mean, that's, change is true in every facet of life. Business, finance, family, church. And it's especially true in our walk with God. And sometimes we, we need a translator to help us understand what that means. It's kind of like when a wife says to a husband, no, I'm fine. That's not what she means. 
What she means is, I know you don't get it, and frankly, I'm tired of talking about it, and why can't you understand me? That's the way it works. When a husband says, it'd take too long for me to explain it. What he's really saying is, honey, I have no idea how it works either, right? Sometimes we need a translator, and I think these concepts of change and transformation need some translation as well. And if we aren't careful, we can at times communicate the need for change in folks' lives, and it ends up uh, understood as some kind of faraway God that sprinkles fairy dust on our life and makes us a better person. But that is not the gospel message. I mean, we don't want to produce good religious people. We see what becomes of good religious people in the encounters that Jesus had with the Pharisees, who were the most religious people ever. God wants to see people transformed at a spiritual level rather than a behavioral level. God wants to see this spiritual being be in tune with him. Literally, like I want my grandchildren to long to be with their pop, God longs for his children to long for him. And that's where we find this transformational change. You see, transformation doesn't come from resolutions made on January 1st. Transformation comes from recreation, recreation that comes from a new life in Jesus. The change we, we need most is not in our circumstances. The change we need most, the change I need most, is in our heart. It's within us. It's in ourselves. It's not the ability to try harder. It's a life entrusted to Jesus. So let me share with you three quick thoughts on how I believe we can experience this spiritual transformation in our life and how we can literally lay a few things aside and grab hold of him. Number one, real change starts with a new life, not just trying to turn over a new leaf. Really, real life, really, it changes with a whole new life, not changing a new, new leaf. You know what I've heard all my life about uh, diets? You know, it's not about a diet, it's about changing the way you live. You know, anybody I know who sticks with it and stays with it, it's not because they went on a fad diet and they lost 30, days, 30 pounds in 30 days, it's because they changed the way their life works, right? I mean, I, I see like Lexi Willis, I'll see her on her on Facebook and she'll post something up there that says, on the afternoon, I just can't wait to get off and go run. What? What normal human says that? Someone who radically changed the nature of how they live, right? Well, spiritually, the same thing is true. Real change starts with a new life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 17, you can use your phone to look that up. You can use it you look in your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Apostle Paul is writing this story, and he, he gives the very heart of following Jesus that's revolved around inward change, but it's not turning over a new leaf. It's starting and creating a new life, where he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come. So look what happens. Here we are and we are messed up people. There is God, and he is holy and righteous. He looks at us and loves us in spite of how messed up we are, and so he says there's one way in which you can have a new creation, and that is through a relationship with his son Jesus. And in that, Paul says there's a new creation. That old you is passed away. Transformation, Jesus style, always involves something passing away and something new taking its place. I mean, don't, don't ever forget that. Real Jesus-style transformation. Something moves out so that he can move in. But be cautious. It's not about if I change, then God will like me more. I want to make sure you understand this. You can't do more stuff to make God like you more. You can't work harder, give more, show up at church more. None of those things are going to make God love you more. Now, it may make you love God more, but it's not going to make God love you more because God loves you, period. 
You say, well, Chuck, I'm here today and my life is a disaster. My life is a mess. Guess what? God loves you. You're here today and you're saying, but Chuck, really, life is falling apart for me. Here's the good news. God loves you. But Chuck, I don't understand why I'm going through all this. But God loves you. And you're saying, well, Chuck, well, of course God loves me. I haven't missed church in 32 weeks. Guess what? God loves you the same way he loves the person who hasn't been here in 32 weeks. You say, well, that's not fair. But it is just. You say, well, I think I've earned more than you've missed the transformation of your heart. You missed what God was attempting to do. You see, all these other things we do, by the way, here's what happens in my life. By the time you make it to my office for a counseling appointment, you're probably already messed up. Right? For those of you that have been there, I mean, like by the time you get to my office, it's like coming to the principal's office. It's like, oh, crud, this can't be good. Right? Nobody ever comes to my office with this thought hey, have I got something great for you? I mean, other than Patty. But nobody ever comes to my office and just says, Here, I, here's something for you. If you come to my office, usually your life's in a mess, right? I mean, it's not like you want to intentionally go spend time with a pastor. And here's what I hear a ton. It starts off like this. You know, I haven't been a very religious person. And my answer will be, oh, thank goodness. I'm so grateful you're not a religious person. And they'll look at me like y'all are looking at me now. Because, you see, religion is what will keep you distracted from a relationship with Jesus. Religion is the layer of all those clothes we put on top of the blue sock, and we can't get down to the one thing that matters most because we've layered it on top of everything else. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. But Jesus comes along and says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. I mean, it's a totally different perspective. I mean, if you're in one of those religions that says, I have to act a certain way before I'm accepted, you have missed the, the gospel message of Jesus. Because Jesus says, you were accepted, now you'll want to obey. When Jesus says, if you, you, you know, obey, follow my command. You know what he's saying? Oh, when you love me, it's easy to do that. Everything else we try leads to exasperation. I mean, trying to turn over a new leaf is a temporary fix to an eternal problem. We all need to give up on changing our own lives. Rather than wasting our lives on self-initiated change, we could discover victory when we give our lives over to God's work to grant us a new life. In John chapter 3, a perfectly religious dude by the name of Nicodemus runs into Jesus. Here's a guy who had the right family pedigree. He had the right education. He had the right money. He had the right position. He, 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 he was very religious. He was very moral. He kept all the rules. And he said, what do I have to have eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, all those things good for you, but you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, well, how can that happen? And Jesus explains to him that being born again is like this, that you say to Jesus, I need you, I love you, I need you to forgive me my sin, come into my life and be the boss of my life, sit on the throne of my heart, and like Paul said earlier, give me a new life. And when that occurs, transformation from the inside begins. And what happens, though, is we always measure people by their actions. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to point out somebody else's sin? I mean, our, matter of fact, our pet sins seem to always be what somebody else is doing. Have you ever noticed that? By the way, could I say to you, show me somebody who's constantly railing against somebody else's sin, and I'll show you they got plenty under their tent, too. And see, the challenge is this transformation gives us this picture that rules can modify our behavior, but only Jesus can give us a new life. 
So if you want to, a new life, not just to try to turn over a new leaf, it's not about modifying your behavior. It's about allowing Jesus to control your life. You've got to lay something down so you can lay hold of him. Number two, real change is a journey. It isn't a destination. You never arrive. About the time that you think that you are really something, you're like super Christian, all of a sudden Jesus looks at your heart and says, man, you really need transformation. About the time you look at everybody else and think, man, I'm better than them, now you really need transformation. About the time you look at everybody else's sin and think, wow, I'm glad I'm not them, now we really need transformation. Nobody ever gets to a place of being everything God has called them to be on this side of heaven. I mean, our life is one of growth, ever-changing growth. The transformation we encounter because of the gospel is how God shapes our lives. Now watch this. He shapes our life so that we mirror Jesus. Paul wrote to some of the early Christians in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He said, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul says, listen, when you say yes to Jesus and he comes and takes control of your life and he gives you a new life, he will never stop until he has completed you all the way to heaven. And in that journey, we are ever changing, being transformed. What to? To become more like him, a mirror, a reflection of Jesus. We act more, we react more like Jesus, not because of our behavior, not because of our works, but because of what's happened in our heart. Are you with me? It's what happens there in our heart. And so God is starting and completing the work of transformation in us. Matter of fact, Peter, over in the book of 2 Peter, toward the end of the New Testament, here's what he writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. He says, by these he has given us very great and precious promises. Good comma right there. Great and precious promises. So that through them you may share in the, listen to these two words, divine nature. In other words, you get to participate allowing your nature to become more like his nature day after day after day. But now here's the caveat. You have to allow him to do that, and it's your choice. Escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. In other words, Peter says our nature, our human nature, is to do the opposite of what God wants to do. And when transformation occurs in our heart, what happens is God comes into our life and turns it right side up. And because of what is happening in us, what happens out of us is a reflection of him, not us. In short, here's what Peter is saying. The only thing good that I offer you, the only thing good you offer this world is the presence of Jesus alive, crucified, risen, and coming again in your heart. That's what we offer. That's what's good. You see, by removing the human desire for significance and replacing it with a divine nature of sacrifice, God sets our lives in a brand new direction with a new life, not just flipping over a new leaf. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, here's what Paul wrote. We all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now listen, the only way to reflect God's glory is to catch a glimpse of it. When a follower of Jesus sets their eyes on God, their life will be in the process of transformation. Now, every night 
we see a visible lesson for this principle with the moon. The moon isn't lit. What is the light on the moon? It is the reflection of the sun. All right? Now, when that has a full moon, there's nothing in the way of the sun shining on that moon. And we see it in its fullness, right? But now, as the earth rotates and we get in the way of the sun and the moon, we begin to see less of the moon because something is veiling, something has put a veil between the presence of the sun and the presence of the moon. Now watch this, when we are being transformed, become more like Christ, we are unveiled and the shine, the glory, the beauty of Jesus shines on us, in us, and then reflects off of us. But when we allow the world, when we allow our pride, when we allow everything that Satan would love to destroy you with, worry and fret and doubt and fear, we put a veil up and we only let a little bit of that glory, a little bit of God's Son to shine on us. And you know what happens? People around us know it. Haven't you ever been around somebody where they were just fully bright and reflecting the glory of God? And you know what you thought? I want to be more like that then you got to lay something down so you can lay hold of him. Let the veil down. Move what's between your head and your heart. And as we surrender our lives before God, his glory shines against our life. Number three, change is letting go and grabbing hold. I mean, God says things like, be holy as I am holy. And it sounds like an impossible task, but its possibility comes by the work of God and not by our work. Paul put it another way in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. He says, but that is not how you learned about the Messiah. If you're kind of new to this, Messiah talking about Jesus, it could have said, but that is not how you learned about Jesus, assuming you heard him and were taught by him, meaning so some of you aren't followers of Jesus yet, so this is not going to make any sense to you. But then he goes on and he says, because the truth is in Jesus. You see, the only way that truth reflects off of us, the only way that love reflects off of us, the only way that grace reflects off of us is the presence of Jesus shining on us, reflecting inwardly and outwardly in our lives. He goes on and says, you took off the former way of life, the old man that is corrupted by deceitful desires, and you're being renewed. Now, that's a big word. You're being renewed. So, in other words, when you say yes to Jesus, I mean, you're here in your sinful ways. Your life's messed up. You need to have a relationship with God. God sends Jesus. He dies on the cross, pays for all of our sin. He raises from the dead three days later, does some very cool stuff around the world for a few weeks, and then he raises and he goes to heaven and he's sitting by God the Father and does all that so that you can have a relationship with God. And literally what he's saying is you do that and now you can have a brand new life. You don't have to turn over a new leaf you get a brand new one and when that happens change starts from the inside out so that means we need to stop having this judgmental spirit about what people do and maybe what we ought to do is put the mirror on our own heart maybe we ought to see what, where our thoughts are maybe we ought to take a look at our heart you say, well, why didn't everybody do that? Chuck, why didn't everybody just lay something down and grab hold of Jesus? I know some of y'all are just, just like Christian zealots. It's like, you know, I don't know why the world's just going to hell in a handbasket. I mean, it's like a zealot, mad Christian people. You know, it's like you're ticked off at the world, you know? I don't know why you won't love Jesus. Like some of those preachers you see on Sunday afternoon, I mean, they're spitting and stomping and carrying on, and you think, good night. Why is he so mad? I thought he was full of Jesus. You know, he's just ticked off at the world, man. You know, I don't want that. 
I mean, are you like me? I just don't need anybody else to scream at me. We're called to put off the old man and take on the new one. And for some reason, it seems to be part of our psyche to resist change, even when it'll help. Why don't we do that? All right, let me wrap this up by saying, number one, I, we do it because we're stubborn. We don't like to let go of stuff that we like to control stuff. My guess in this room, there's a mess of people like me that you're just control freaks. And you like to hold on to it. I got a two-year-old grandson by the name of William. When I'm on the floor playing blocks with William, and he grabs one of those blocks, and I try to get the block from William, you know what William says? No. I'll reach over, and I'll grab his hand to get it from him, and he grabs that, that block a little tighter. No. And you know what I think is a 50-year-old, 2-year-old man, 54-year-old man, whatever I am? You know what I, <laughs> soon to be 55, you know, you know, what, I, you know what I think? Son, if you were me at that age, my dad would wear me out. But I love him, you know, and he keeps holding, and eventually he'll let go. You know, that's the way we are. We just don't, we like holding control of our life. We don't like to let go. You know what we say to God? No. No, God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you Sunday morning, but I'm not going to give you my work. You know, God, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Sunday morning songs, but I'm going to give you my checkbook. You know, God, I, I'm, I'll, I'll show up. I'll, I'll do a group. But now, God, don't, don't ask me to live for God out there on the golf course with my boys. Sometimes we're just flat stubborn. You know, some, sometimes we're trapped. By the way, y'all know how to catch a monkey? This is an important thing. You know, if you, if you take a coconut and drill a hole in that coconut and clean it out and then put a chunk of coconut in there, you anchor that coconut. You know what a monkey will do? a monkey will stick his hand there and grab that piece of coconut. And when he balls his fist up, he cannot get it out of there. And even though that monkey knew how to put his hand in that hole, he will not let go of what he has grabbed to get out of that hole. Some of us are hanging on to bitterness and anger and resentment, and some of us are hanging on to things. Your spouse didn't love you and left you, and you're going to stay mad at them the rest of your life, and as a result, you have swallowed a poison you intended for them because you won't let go. Some of you are hanging on to addictions that you've been fighting forever, and you think you can beat it in your own power, and you won't surrender it to Christ, and you just won't let go. Some of you are hanging on to fear because you lost everything in a financial crisis and you just won't let go. We're stubborn. We're trapped. Some of us are just comfortable. I know folks in this church have been members of this church for 30, 40 years. And you know what? They're just as comfortable as can be. Chuck, don't rock the boat. Don't ask more of us. Let's just, just, things are good. Just let's rock along. You know what? When you stop changing, you die. When you stop allowing Jesus to transform this church, we are dead. When Jesus stops transforming our life, we have quit. Sometimes we're stubborn. Sometimes we're trapped. Sometimes we're comfortable. You know, the number one reason I believe is we're afraid. We're scared to death of what Jesus might ask us to do. Well, what if Jesus asked me to, to share, you know, him with somebody else? I'm scared that I'm going to... What if Jesus asked me to come to church every... What if Jesus asked me to bring somebody to church with me? Oh, my stars. What if Jesus asked me to actually read the Bible? Good night. You know, we're afraid. Listen, 365 plus times this word says, don't be afraid. Let me ask you, 
what's standing between you and Jesus? What do you have to lay down so you can grab hold and let him transform your life? Let's pray. Father, today we, we're grateful that what we can do is lay down and grab hold of you, for you never change. You are always there, and you always love us. God, for folks that are in this room right now who have never begun a real personal relationship with you, God, would you speak into their heart right now and give them the courage to simply say silently but powerfully to you, Lord, I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. Come live in my life and take over. And I accept the fact that you died for me, you rose for me as payment for my sin. And I don't want to live for me anymore. I want to live for you. Change my life from the inside out. With every eye closed, every, every head bowed, nobody's looking around. If, if that's your prayer, if that's the desire of your heart, I just want you to real quietly just kind of lift your hand up a little bit so I can see who you are. Amen. 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 All over this room, people said, count me in, that's me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we know you hear us and you answer us. Hear that cry and hear that prayer. Heal our broken hearts. Transform us. That we might lay down the old and take hold of the new. Thank you that you always love us. Because you are always good. Always available. And always our God. We pray these things. Knowing that you will answer them. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord. Amen.